Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I'm sitting down with Debbie Mullen. She is the founder of Copper Cow Coffee, and you'll be able to tell by my excitement in this episode how much I love this brand. Being able to hear her story about where she came from, how she started, and where the company is going just brings me a lot of joy. So for all you coffee lovers, I would say this one is for you. This is Debbie. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hi, Debbie. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to talk with you about all things coffee and how you got started and everything in between. Self-care, of course. Um, Yeah. But before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. I'm Debbie Mullen, and I am the CEO and founder of Copper Cow Coffee. Um, We launched a little over two years ago, and we're the first specialty Vietnamese coffee company in the U.S., Um, We're most known for having our um, portable pour-over Vietnamese coffee, where you can make a fresh pour-over coffee anywhere with our sweetened condensed milk creamer. And we particularly have been doing well with our latest products, which are the infusions, uh, which I know Alex is a big, big fan of. Huge of the fan. Lavender <laughs> rose coffees. Um, so yeah, so, so that's, that's who I am. I just have to say... Um, the coffee that y'all have is the best coffee I have ever tasted in my life. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, I know people always think that I'm like kind of just giving shout outs and stuff like, no, I'm I'm a customer of like everybody I, I share (laughs) and use. Um, and your, I've given your coffee and your portable pour overs, which are genius. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, to so many of my friends and everyone's like I can bring this at my desk or in my car or you know like wherever and it's really just amazing so thank you thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you all the praises thank you thank you um wow thank you so let's start from the beginning I didn't know you guys were only two years old so that's young um and to be doing so much over the past 24 months and maybe some change how has that been for copper cow and where did you start um it's it's been definitely the past couple years has been a little bit crazy um but i actually started in the food and beverage business a little bit earlier so um so even though it seems kind of fast with copper cow i've been trying to kind of get a food business off the ground for over five years. So it can feel really short if you look at kind of just the copper cow lifetime, um, but it definitely has been a longer journey for that. 
for us to get to where we're finally kind of going. Mm-hmm. So about so before I started the company, I had worked at the World Bank and um, was really passionate about sustainable development and wanted to do work around poverty alleviation, around economic development, because my mom was a refugee mm-hmm. from Vietnam, and she always talked about growing up in Vietnam and how she had no opportunities. She felt like there wasn't any opportunities with school or with jobs. And so she, you know, took the first opportunity she could to come to the U.S., where I was afforded tons of opportunities. So um, I really wanted to give back and got a job at the World Bank working in sustainable development and um, project finance around poverty alleviation and economic development. But honestly, once I got there, I was really unhappy. It was a really slow, inefficient low impact kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. role for me and I, I couldn't be creative it just was such a, a bad culture fit for me um, that when I decided I wanted to make a change um, I knew I wanted to do something that gave me more agency it was kind of like if I could change one thing about my career what would it be and so I thought starting my own company would be a great thing and you know since since I was a little kid, you know, I only ate Vietnamese food at home. And it wasn't until a pretty old age that I realized that nobody else knew about the food that I was growing up with and always thought that it would be so fun to create a Vietnamese-inspired food line or beverage line um, that would kind of introduce people and market it in a way that, you know, Americans would be comfortable with, especially really focus on amazing ingredients and making it really accessible through design the way that Copper Cow has. Mm -hmm. But I actually started with a cooking line first. Um, It was an oil and vinegar line called Way Pantry. And I started that while I was still working full-time at the World Bank um, and kind of worked, did did both things full-time for about a year and a half before I finally decided to um, to quit my job and try to do it full-time, but realized that, you know, I had no idea how little Americans cooked, which was kind of crazy. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, so only only 10% of Americans cook regularly. Um, so when I started trying to talk to our customers like Whole Foods um, about like how we can, you know, really get um, sales up, they were like, it already sells really well. You know, this is as good as it's going to get. And, and I did have so many different Vietnamese-inspired products in mind, and, you know, once I started to look into coffee, it got really, really exciting because, you know, the U.S. coffee market is so big, and no one was doing this kind of differentiation, and even more so, I found out that Vietnam was the second largest coffee producer in the world, you know, that Vietnam had a great coffee culture, Mm -hmm. and that I loved Vietnamese coffee, and I did think it was this really unique experience and taste profile, um, and thought that, and definitely always joked, you know, that it's the gateway coffee, that even if someone's like, I don't drink coffee, I'd be like, well, (laughs) you'll drink this coffee, coffee. (laughs) this might just change your mind, Um, (laughs) so yeah, so then I went to Vietnam and just found, like, amazing coffee that you know, was not being sold here and thought that it'd be really great to connect to these farmers who are doing amazing things with sustainable agriculture and organic farming and bring it to the U.S. And, um, and yeah, so that was a little over two years ago that, that I did that. And um, since then, now, you know, it's actually, you know, we, we're just winding down the way pantry line um, and we're, we're just pretty much focused on Copper Cow Coffee now. So the portable pour over is yeah. 
just amazing. Um, I I love it. It's easy. The packaging is compostable. Do I have that right? Um, yeah. And it's it's just it's just phenomenal. I don't I can't rave about it enough. So where did that come from? That idea come from for portable pour over? And also I see like a lot of the marketing with Copper Cow is like getting people outside and enjoying a cup of coffee and getting people maybe around a campfire or or something like that. So did that camp culture or being outdoors in nature inspire the portable pour over for you guys? Or was it just something that you felt the market needed? Um, I think that the what I think is amazing about the portable pour over is that it's not so much that you can do it anywhere. It's that you don't need anything to do it. You just mm. need hot water, you know? So True. in addition to to um, it being obviously like an amazing travel um, coffee or camping coffee, what's so fun about it is that you don't need like a K-cup machine, you right. know, um, you don't need a French press, you don't need a coffee maker, there's no, you don't need a grinder, there's no, there's nothing that you need, so that's what's so fun about being like, well, I want to try rose coffee, mm-hmm. you know, or I want to try lavender coffee, or I want to try Vietnamese coffee, and that you don't need anything to to be able to participate in Copper Cow and have this experience and feel like a barista making a pour over. Um, and that's, that translates to both for the person who, you know, which I think is like a big trend in like kind of millennial culture is that you don't want to be bogged down by a lot of things. You just want the experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's really nice about making it really, because that, that was probably one of the biggest tenets of anything that I was going to create was that I wanted it to be really accessible. So you didn't feel like, you know, because a lot of third wave coffee companies, you feel like you have to invest in, you know, $200 of equipment to be able to enjoy pour over coffee when, you know, really you, for for it to be a, a premium pour over experience, you just need what basically what we've done with Copper Cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that both the on-the-go lifestyle, but also just the accessibility were the two things that really, really inspired us to to really um, hone in on the pour-over. That's that's really amazing, and I'm glad you, you you rephrased that and said it how you said it because you you true it is an experience, um, and you don't need anything to do it but hot water. Literally, I've had coffee on the go, and I've taken my pour-over in the car with not nice. scorch with not scorching hot water but hot enough to brew and like pour it in I take off and when by the time I get to my destination it's brewed I pour my little <laughs> my little I creamer in there and I'm ready to go okay so like I really think it's just I can't I'm, I mean I'm gushing I'm having fangirl moment <laughs> um <clears throat> anyway so copper cow how did that name come to be and what inspired it I wish that I had a better story. <laughs> Everybody asks me this, and I almost like joke that I, I was like, I need to come up with a with a better story. But um, I knew exactly what I wanted the brand to look like when I started it. You know, I was like, it's going to be this really modern, clean, minimal brand that shows how we're kind of bringing Vietnamese coffee into the modern era, but we're still keeping the simplicity of the of the product and that's what the design was supposed to kind of mirror mm-hmm. and um, Vietnamese coffees typically drink with milk and um, I really had this idea of a silhouette of a cow being the logo 
and I just thought it would look really clean. I was like, I really want this modern, modern geometric cow to be the logo. And, um, and I want it to be copper. I want the brand standards to be black, white, and copper. And I was telling this graphic designer, a graphic designer that I paid a few hundred dollars to do all of our brand standards when we were first starting out. And then she just started calling it copper cow, the copper cow coffee. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's going to be this bling and cow <laughs> everywhere. And then we just, we just kind of put it as a placeholder name. And we both looked at it. We're like, that looks really nice. And it sounds nice. And it was really catchy between us. Yeah. So um, the placeholder name has stuck. <laughs> it's still copper cow coffee. And is, um, is what it is today. It is. <laughs> it is. You know, that's a pretty cool story, actually, because it, it's, it makes it seem, and I know this process probably wasn't seamless through and through because no business is, but it just makes it seem like seamless and like it just flows and like everything has kind of just fallen into place as it should. And you're getting this experience and you're getting this beautiful packaging and all the perks that come along with it is phenomenal. So I like that story, actually. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think the nice thing about that is when I talk to people who are trying to start their own company and I tell them that, at least they feel like, oh, so it doesn't have, have to be. Have to be. Like, right. Like yeah, this big thing. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can change the name, you know, but um, but, but lucky for us, the placeholder name has stuck and, and we love it, actually. You know, it's just it's, a, it's such a fun name. Um, we love being Copper Cow. There is no better time to take your fitness to the next level. And every bit of motivation counts. Like a sweet pair of London's most popular Sweaty Betty power leggings. Make any move you want knowing that your leggings have got your backside. For over 20 years, Sweaty Betty's five-star rated power leggings have helped women crush their workouts. Because no other athletic brand can compete with the Sweaty Betty power leggings. Expertly placed seam and squat tested compression fabric that physically gives your booty instant it peach emoji status. Quick drying and pocket equipped, these leggings are high-waisted performers. Take their quiz at sweatybetty.com to find your perfect style and choose from a wide selection of strategically cut patterns. I love these Sweaty Betty leggings because they are high-waisted. They hold everything in place. I can rollerblade in them. I can hula hoop in them. I can do yoga in them and I adore them. So I wear Sweaty Betty and maybe you should consider wearing them too. Now through November first, get 20% off of your entire purchase when you visit sweatybetty.com slash heygirl. This is the best offer Sweaty Betty has available anywhere because you deserve to look amazing before, during, and after your workout. Get 20% off your entire purchase at sweatybetty.com slash heygirl. Only until November 1st, spelled S-W-E-A-T-Y-B-E-T-T-Y dot com slash heygirl. Let's talk about being a woman of color in business and what that has looked like for you, especially with a mother who was a refugee and you going back home and really investing in where your people have come from and where you have come from. Um, How has that taught you um, about community and also how you move through your business and your business practices? Oh, that's a big question. Um, Starting with you know, going back to Vietnam, um, that's been definitely one of the most incredible parts of the company. Um, 
you know, because it, it really helped shift the company to a lot of my passions around sustainability and being able to work with bringing economic opportunities to Vietnam, you know, which was such a huge focus for me um, in my whole career. And it feels so great to know that, you know, this is something that maybe only that I feel like I'm perfect for doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think what was really interesting was how quickly I was able to find the amazing supplier that we have. Um, When I got to Vietnam, I tried over 40 different suppliers um, which was very, very caffeinated. I learned that there's a reason why people, like, it's like being a sommelier, like you do have to spit out coffee sometimes. Mm-hmm. You can't try because each, each supplier has, you know, dozens of coffee for you to try. And there was one that was just, it was so clear that we were really on the same page around um, what we were trying to do with coffee. Um, it was this, this man who had started a tech company um, about 10 years before and sold it. And he was from the coffee region of Vietnam, and he was like, my dream is to create, like, to improve, like, the agricultural supply chain in Vietnam and starting with coffee. And he had started this co-op and was instilling all of these standards, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to charge, you know, twice the cost. I'm going to charge over twice the amount that is in the market right now, and I'm going to pay the the farmers twice what they're getting paid by everybody else, but I'm going to have the best standards in Vietnam. And you know, we're going to scale that way. And it was so exciting. And what was really cool, too, was that I think he really saw that that's what we were trying to bring to Vietnam, to, to the U.S. from mm-hmm. Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that it was really cool getting to work with all all the people from the farmers to the suppliers to the to the managers to all these all these different people across, you know, I think that they were so excited that I was Vietnamese American. And saw it as such a important opportunity because I it not like that I would be so invested in a very real way because of my family connection. Um, so I think that's been really beautiful and just getting to learn so much about Vietnam because when I was setting up the supply chain, I was going out there, you know, every six weeks and I really got to know the country a lot better. And I think you get to understand your family and yourself more mm-hmm. um, by doing mm-hmm. that. So I feel, I feel really lucky about that. Um, being being a woman um, with that, I think, has been interesting. Um, more on the side, maybe working in the U.S. Um, it definitely has been more challenging. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of factories that have to be involved in this kind of company. A lot of um, a lot of people that are outside of my old career that I would have come into contact with and trying to convince them that, I'm here to play and I'm here to win um, and that I'm, I'm here to give them really great business was really hard at the beginning. Um, you know, basically it just came down to like begging or like coming every day. So there was, there was the first factory I ever worked with. I just showed up every day with donuts to wow. the crew wow. until they basically just like felt bad for me. And then like <laughs> their first run, you know, um, cause people are just like, okay, there's like this, like, little girl in here who's trying to um, start a company and it definitely was really really hard mm. I think to break into and that was probably one of the hardest parts and then um, with fundraising it's definitely you know challenging your that you're not the typical person that that's pitching to them right uh, and, and learning about how how that how that can you know affect you and you know what's really great is that there's a lot of female focused funds many that have contributed to copper cow um, so I think that it's definitely changing, and I think it's fun to be 
and it's really exciting to be part of a lot of the change in that area, but um, it's still, it's definitely still challenging. What's coffee been teaching you over the past couple of years about community and um, making connections with not only your customers, but the people around you who drink your coffee or even who don't drink your coffee? Um, that is such a good question. I think that coffee has taught me so much about community. Um, first, that I love being in the coffee industry. It is one of the most collaborative industries I've ever been part of. Um, that if you meet other roasters and other coffee companies, um, for the most part, like everyone understands, especially in the specialty coffee scene, that the more we can convince people to invest in the supply chain of the coffee that they're drinking. Because, you know, one thing I've learned is that the more you know about coffee, the less you know. You know, everything matters from what's in the soil to the way you grind it right before you brew it, like the temperature of the water, like mm -hmm. everything matters, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's been really amazing to see um, kind of how collaborative the industry is. Um, so I think that that's been really beautiful to to see how much people want to help each other um, to make sure that like, you know, if, if, if me and another company are both supplying from the same farm, we're going to want to make sure that together that that farm is adhering to the standards for our customers. And I think the other thing that's been really exciting too is in terms of the customers is that is how much, how much they are so excited about not just the way the coffee tastes, but like you said, that it is an experience that we are showing them a whole new way to enjoy coffee, and we've made it as easy as possible to do that. And that they care, that they're so interested in the company and where the company, where the coffee comes from, and who we are. And I think that it's been a really amazing thing to see how how engaged the customers are, and how much you know, so much of our business comes from referrals. You know, mm -hmm. and that's so rewarding to mm -hmm. see that um, that that's a huge part of, of how people experience coffee is that they, they try the copper cow experience and they immediately want to show someone it. They yes. immediately want to tell, <laughs> tell people about it or, or what's great about the format is give them one, yes. you know, and have them try it. And it's been, it's been really rewarding to feel that we're creating a copper cow community and, and, and that that's something that we're just getting started on, on how to, how to, how to, you know, really nurture and flourish. So I have a confession um, about my copper cow experience. So mm -hmm. Sashi, our friend who runs tea drop sent me a box of goodies when I was pregnant with Isla and copper cow was in it. And I'm like, what is this? I really wasn't super into coffee yet mm -hmm. either. I had like dabbled and I liked my, my Starbucks, you know, my sugar disgusting down caramel macchiato. <laughs> But I really wasn't sure what it was. So I gave it away to a friend who I knew loved coffee. I'm like, oh, they'll like this. I'm not going to use this. And then she sent me another box with more copper cow in it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me give this a try. And it, it was... It was re it was a really unique experience for me because I had just really started to feel like I I could fit into the co the coffee culture. I don't know if that's yeah. even a thing, but like I'm like, oh, pour over, what's that? And you know, I was it was very new. So I had my first pour over experience with your brand after 
giving a box away because I had no idea how to yeah, use it. <laughs> totally. No, you're not, you're not, I mean, that's something that we've, we've, you know, we've spent a lot of time on is trying to make the packaging a little bit clearer too. Cause I mean, it's a box of coffee. You're like, what, what is this? <laughs> you know, it's confusing. Um, so it's, it's taken a lot of, a lot of iterations to make it a little bit better, but I'm, I'm glad you finally, tr- you finally tried it, but I totally, you're not, you're definitely not the first person to say that about, I remember that when we had our first iteration of packaging, which would have been the first box. That the you brown received. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I, we, we are the first, one of the first accounts we got into a cost plus, world market and I would stand in the aisles and watch people walk by our product and it was like 90% of people would pick it up mm-hmm. which was crazy it Pretty was like very rewarding to see that but then they all put it back down mm. we're all drawn in by the packaging and then they were immediately confused mm. um and so we were like we have to, I'm like we have to completely redo the packaging <laughs> like we love the brand but like how do we make it so that if you pick it up within five seconds you at least have an idea of what you would be getting and so we we changed everything we used to have these bespoke like drawings on it on how to do it now we're like pictures 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 <laughs> we have cut out to the box so people can like kind of touch the different pour over packets and the milk packets and mm-hmm. understand what it is mm-hmm. um so I think that's made a big difference. Um, but it's interesting what you were saying about this being like one of your first pour over experiences and like going back to community. Something that's interesting is that we are also one of the first um, kind of high end coffee companies to kind of lean towards branding to women, mm-hmm. to target to marketing to women. Um, and I think that that's because, you know, the company, we're all women. Um, and I something that was really hard for me was that I felt like I love I love coffee I love third wave coffee specialty coffee I love my pour overs or cortados and all those things but it's like I felt like they were always being honestly marketed to like a bearded white hipster yeah. man yeah mm-hmm. and, and you know I don't identify as that but I identify <laughs> as like a foodie and a coffee lover and yeah. I was like I think that you know women drink coffee just as much as men do yeah. And why isn't there a coffee company that makes women feel like it's really inviting, that has like rose coffee and lavender coffee, and it's still, you know, high-end coffee is really focused on the origin, but again, accessibility and and, um, that's, you know, 80% of our customers are women. And that's been a big part of the community um, that we think is really exciting about about Copper Cow, too. It is very exciting. And I love that you guys introduced the... The lavender and the rose, you already know. I was doing that in my fen- in my French press, just yes. throwing stuff in the French press, literally not measuring and just being like, oh, that's too much. Oh, that's too little after I taste it. But to have it like perfectly portioned out in my pour over packets is so much easier. And it's like just right. So I do. Thank want- you. <laughs> it's great. You're welcome. Side note, well, one of my close friends who I gifted your coffee to is now an avid customer. Um, and she sent me a picture of her rose coffee that came in. And she was like, girl, this, this Yay. is where it's at. So I'm just, I'm giving you all of this 
excitement because I just want you to know, and I'm sure you already know this, but still, to that that you're doing something really right, and you're really ma- you're you. really bringing people together through this coffee experience, be it just a text from a friend or a FaceTime combo and we're both brewing the coffee. You know, it's like really yeah. community centered. Um so back to my question, the flower infused, the botanical infused coffees. When did that pop into your mind? Um that's such a good question. Because we we thought that the the individual format would be perfect for um infusions and actually the when it first popped into my mind was when um, I was on a sourcing trip and I was with some really like high level like Australian roasters Australia has some of the best best coffee roasting in the world and they were talking about how um, about how there's there's different ways that you score coffee um, based on the taste and the profile and the smoothness from a zero to a hundred and they were talking about how there was a scandal around someone who had a really high performing, you know, high scoring coffee. And it turned out that they had been just spinning the coffee with orange peel oh. um, that like they, they discovered that because, because orange notes is like a huge thing in, in coffee, in coffee for it to, to get a really high score. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out that they were just lit, putting dried orange peel kind of with the coffee and letting it sit there so that it would absorb the um, flavor and how that was a huge scandal. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking like, that's Why is that so idea. bad? I know. That's a great idea. I'm like, that's, it's not like they were putting chemicals in there. Right, you know, right. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you don't want anyone to lie about their supply chain. But I was like, you know, that sounds like a delicious way to infuse coffee. And, you know, what what what's the big deal about if it's a completely natural way? Um, that I was like, you know, maybe we could do put orange peels or do something like that in our coffee. And so at the time I had an intern who was obsessed with lavender latte. Like she was late every day for like 20 minutes. She always rolled in with her lavender latte. That's we were me. always teasing her. <laughs> yeah, totally. We were always teasing her. And then um, I remember that it was always like a, a lavender simple syrup, which was great because it was all natural. And I was like, I wonder if you could just put lavender in the coffee in our pouch and it would just taste like that. And mm-hmm. so we, it was, it ended up, as you know, being delicious. And, we were doing these pop-ups um, and we were doing pour-over bars. So we started putting out a bunch of different things, rose petals, um, lavender, mocha powder, and letting people like customize their pour-over. Mm-hmm. And that was when we started to think like, well, it'd be an even better experience if the person didn't have to portion it in. Because then you see someone put like a heaping teaspoon of lavender and in their like, coffee. you're and not going like, to like that. I know. <laughs> but then I felt like a weird chef lady being like, don't do it that way. And so... I thought it would be great to just do it for them. So we looked into what it would take to put the lavender in there. And so the lavender was just a really easy way for us um, because it required so little lavender um, to try it out. And, you know, the impact on sales was really incredible because, um, you know, as you know, we had the, Sashi and I had launched a Thai tea together with tea drops. Amazing. Um, And and that, and it was great, and it was definitely good for sales, but it didn't compare to the lavender. You know, mm-hmm. we had we had launched the the Thai tea about six months before, and within three weeks, the lavender latte had outsold the lifetime of the Thai tea. Oh, wow. And so we were like, okay, we're really – it was supposed to be just a temporary kind of product, and we, I was like, I think we're really on to something. And so um, we've, we're actually planning to release a new pour-over every month from now on. 
Um, so like the next one's going to be a mint one, which is perfect for icing mm. over the summer. Um, and we're going to be coming out with the cardamom later in the summer. And then we're going to start going into holiday flavors from there. Um, and it's just such a great way for, cause both the pour over as well as the infusions are a way for, you know, cause like, like you said, that, that caramel macchiato, uh, Starbucks, um, <laughs> stuff is just really packed with chemicals and sugar. Yeah. And this is like, you know, a, a copper cow is a hundred calories, 17 grams of sugar. It's really, really decadent, but because you do it yourself, it's just going to be a lot healthier. And because you're infusing the coffee naturally, you're not having those like chemical syrups right. in your coffee. Right. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's kind of a, a way for you to have great variety, um, in your coffee, but in an all natural way. That's brilliant. I can't wait for the mint. That is really brilliant. Um, so before we wrap up, we have to talk about self-care as a business owner and yeah. also how much coffee you drink as a business <laughs> owner. Um, but let's start with the self-care first. How does self-care look for you on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis these days? That's such a good question because, you know, it's something that I've really struggled with um, since starting my company. I definitely, um, the first, the first couple of years while we were bootstrapped and, you know, using friends and family money, which feels so precious, um, that, you know, I was working night and day and, you know, really didn't take very good care of myself. And it just leads you to being like not a very good, you know, colleague or collaborator, right. Or boss or anything. And, um, I, about a year ago, I decided that I really, that this is going to be a long-term thing. It's not like we're going to sprint through, um, through a certain milestone and things are going to change. And it was a pretty big learning for myself because we had gotten, we had hit some milestones that I was really excited about, you know, some, some getting some really big key accounts, getting some much larger investments, things like that. And just realizing that, you know, this isn't going to stop and, and I'm going to have to figure out a way for this to be, sustainable. And so um, the two biggest things that um, that are really important to me are, one, making sure that I have time for my family um, and prioritizing that and basically be, making sure to have boundaries to never cancel, you know, my, fa- my family priorities in order to, to do things for work. I think that there can be some exceptions to that, but that's one thing that's really changed. And the other thing is, um, is definitely just health. Um, general, um, like working out, I think was one. So I, I used to be, uh, I was a college athlete, mm-hmm. um, an athlete my whole, my whole childhood growing up and starting the business. It was one of the first things to go all of a sudden, like I wasn't working out at all. And I'm just a hundred, a hundred percent better <laughs> when I have exercise mm-hmm. and just realizing that both, um, both for myself and taking care of myself first makes me so much better. So now I work out in the morning every day. And that is just, such a good way for me to start the day because it's it's like starting the day with self-care starting the day with taking care of myself first and I think that makes me not only is that really great for my health in the long term it makes me just a more generous um, energetic person throughout the day because I know that I took care of myself and now I have time for for the business and for other people mm-hmm. and so I think those are those are some lessons that I've learned and I'm still learning though you know I'm still trying to figure out you know like I, I definitely 
um, am struggling with making sure that I set good examples for the rest of my staff to work at a sustainable pace. I don't, I don't want people to come work at Copper Cow and just run them into the ground and have them, you know, turn over every 18 months. I want, I want, if I, if I hire someone great, I hope that they stay a really long time at Copper Cow and I have to, I have to lead by example for them to be able to find balance too. Mm, that's great. Um, how much coffee do you drink every day? Um, I try really hard to drink around one cup a day. Um, sometimes I'll let myself have two, but not after one thirty p.m. <laughs> I have, I have really, I mean, I, I've, that was something else that I got really out of hand with, and I was like, go to the doctor and be like, I'm having trouble sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and they would ask me about my caffeine intake when they heard what I did for a living, and I was like, I don't know, I don't keep track. I would have a cup. I would have a cup whenever I had if I if it was seven p.m. and I still had an hour of work to do, then I would have a cup of coffee and not think about the repercussions. And so that's something else that I have major boundaries about. So never more than two, usually one, and never after after one thirty. I love that. Self-care, coffee, and boundaries all wrapped in one. <laughs> That's a great way to end. Yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much, Debbie. I appreciate your time and, and stories today. This was really great. Thank you so much, Alex. It was so fun. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. Thank you.